trembling mortals. I am your god, the great and powerful Cthulhu. Joined by a a man, a man who is uh, ha complexion impaired. I give you the comic book guy. Worst costume ever. Welcome to a horrific edition of ARG Presents. Prepare to lose sanity in this week's episode. As we spun the wheel, we make the deal. And this week we'll be playing games on the horrific, hated, vile Xbox. The original OG, Brent. What do you think about that? The episode was not well received. We're, we're here to... Uh... Uh, redeem the Xbox. I think it. I think it deserves a little more love than it gets. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Brent, the original Xbox. We looked at this thing a while back, and uh, uh, we're not going to go over the particulars again, but just a little bit of uh, of uh, Xbox knowledge. We both had one of these back in the day, Brentster. Absolutely. Uh, and we both. We were just talking before air. We both liked these things, didn't we? Yeah, I had a lot of fun with my Xbox. Uh -huh. Now, how much of the fun and joy of your Xbox did, it, did the piracy element cause? That was the because no, that, that was, was that was later in its lifespan. Yeah, uh, when the 360 had already made its appearance, um, it opened me up to a lot more variety of games than I would have played otherwise. But I mean, I owned the the Xbox was a game outside of the PC, of course. That I owned the most games for. I had like 16 games for the Xbox. I, I own a ton of games for it as well, uh, actually. <laughs> and it, it, for one thing, you got you could get them pretty cheap there towards the towards the end. I like this machine. Uh, it came out uh, way back uh, in 2001 and uh, was a uh, let's call it a fairly moderate success. Uh, I recall that as uh, most consoles of the day were, uh, you the, Microsoft was taking a loss on every console, and and so was a lot of other developers. Nintendo were taking a loss, for example, uh, on their GameCube. But I think, as I recall, the GameCube was a twenty dollar loss per unit, and the Xbox was a hundred dollar loss per unit. Yeah, yeah they were taking a, a bath on these things. Far, far, yeah, far but, bigger uh, loss. You know, they were going to make their money back in software. Uh, and they, I don't think they even came close to doing that. But uh, they well, here's did, the thing: they're yeah. Microsoft, so money means nothing. That's true. That's a good point. But still, it is what it is. Uh, this this machine though had a lot of good games for it. Uh, just right off the top of my head, and we we've covered a couple of these. I I, uh, uh, I really liked uh, Test Drive Evil Destruction on this. We played that quite a bit. I liked the James Bond game on here. I thought it was good. Uh, I liked. Uh, I actually liked uh, several of the sports titles on here. I thought they were outstanding. The, the Maddens were on here, all that stuff. The uh, the console itself is not an attractive console, but it, it's uh, it's not hideous. It's just a box. But this is this was your really the in America anyway. This was your first PC in a box, wasn't it, Brent? Uh, it was. It was certainly a PC in a box. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, you know, that's not a bad thing. Also, X uh, Microsoft knew what they were doing with online stuff. Now, they didn't have it all together in the Xbox era, but they got there. Uh, and I, I have a feeling that was greatly due to their life in the PC world. So, yeah. uh, and a lot of companies followed suit after that. So, <laughs> Nintendo will catch up at some point, but, you know. Yeah. God's God it bless their little souls. They're trying. That is one thing that the Xbox. It wasn't the first console to have network capabilities, but it was. Absolutely it was easily not. the by far the first one that that get it, did it right. Most uh, confident, X, yeah. Yeah, with Xbox Live, which is still around, of course, and you know for the newer consoles. But it's a great network, and it and it really that sort of made the console. Uh, the the highest selling uh, game on the console was Halo Two, uh, which I believe took advantage of Xbox Live. Uh, so that would make sense. So at least that Microsoft did have a hit uh, with that. But you know they had the Halos were very popular. They sort of ran the show on that thing. But overall, the original Xbox didn't fare all that well uh, with the uh, with PlayStation's more uh, popular offerings out there, plus the stuff for Nintendo. But all that said, a lot of good games, some good Star Wars games, some uh, a lot of good uh, uh, Xbox Live games that you can play. 
Brent, you had a couple uh, pretty good action role playing games. Just I believe Fable was one, and there was a what was the jet? What was the uh, martial arts uh, fashion one that you had? That was I thought was kind of a neat game. Do you remember that yeah, one? I, I do. I know exactly what you're talking about. I don't know why I can't remember the title, the name of it right now. Yeah. Uh, the uh, Xbox's big uh, flaw, if you can call it that, was it could not nail down a ton of exclusives. Uh, it was early in its life. I mean, yeah, it had its Halos and a, a couple of Microsoft uh, exclusive offerings. But outside of that, they really didn't have any huge runaway hits that made you want to buy an Xbox, outside of, of course, Halo being the all, the obvious exception. Um, my thing with the Xbox, though, was outside of the first run of controllers, which the the fat boy controllers no good the Duke. no good but the the refined s controllers what uh, which was the originally the J- japanese controllers the smaller ones uh amongst my favorite controllers now again they refined it to what i consider control pad perfection in the xbox 360 uh but this really started paving the way for the Microsoft style of controller, which everyone I know uh, who plays PC games and uses a controller uses a uh, Xbox controller. So there you Including go. Me. It is. It is. It, 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 in some ways, it became the de facto PC controller. I like, you know, I like the Duke, which was that the big, uh, the big old Xbox controller, but it was so huge and heavy. It makes one wonder how it got made. <laughs> and oh, it would be, the, the first it's the exact controller. opposite of what they would use yeah. in Japan, where they always go for those incredibly slight... But by the way, we should mention, this was Microsoft's uh, foray into that market uh, in Japan, and it took a, a double super bath over there. It got murdered, didn't it, Brent? It did. Yeah. I, I mean, for a Japanese system, it didn't offer a lot of what the Japanese market was looking for. Uh, and, and that's okay. That's okay. Yeah, it, it it you know it didn't it didn't do well there. Really, none of the Microsoft machines have done well there. So, say la vie. Um, all that said, uh, Brentster, we were tasked with uh, taking a look at a couple uh, games, seasonal games, hopefully, since this is the holiday season. And I think we chose uh, well, we chose some diverse games in that around those elements. Uh, uh, frankly, I. All-Powerful Cthulhu will first go as I have that option, being a god and all. And I'm going to talk about my game. My game. And that is, bam, Call Cthulhu Dark Corners of the Earth. Scary stuff. Scary stuff. So, uh, this is a game uh, that was developed by Head First Productions, published by Bethesda, and debuted way back in October 24th. 2005, really creepily, almost 15 years ago today uh, today on the dot. Uh, and this came out uh, for Windows and the Xbox. The Xbox version was the uh, first the first version released. Um, so what is, first of all, let's before we even go down that road, let's talk about what Cthulhu and the Cthulhu mythos are. Because it's, it's important to know uh, what your what your game is about? Because this game, if if you're not in the know, it can be confusing. Uh, the Cthulhu mythos uh, sprang from the fertile imagination of H.P. Lovecraft. H.P. Uh, Lovecraft lived uh, from 1890 to uh, 1937 and was uh, a prolific writer. Uh, he was a man who wrote a ton of real creepy uh, books and s- short stories. Uh, he's most well known for uh, the Call of Cthulhu. Uh, he also did uh, Sh- uh, Shadows Over Innsmouth, from which a lot of this game is, is derived. He also did a uh, a book called The Shadow Out of Time, which is a little bit of that in this. A very a cool book called At the Mountains of Madness. A uh, bunch of other stuff. Uh, he came up, among other things, he came up with a Necronomicon uh, the mad Arab Abdul Alcazar wrote, uh, penned this uh, in a fever dream, as I recall. Uh, but H.P. Lovecraft was this sort of a hermit-style writer from the from that era, turn of the century. Uh, that one of the things he was known for was his prolific letter writing, which I always thought was that a, this guy has correspondence to beat the band. 
Like they've got all kinds of letters. He was a literary. He ran a lot of like literary uh, organizations and whatnot. Uh, he was also known as being sort of a shy dude, uh, and uh, he, he wasn't a guy that did a lot of public works. He was married uh, briefly, I believe. Uh, it was either his mother or his wife. Someone in, in who close to him actually did did some time in the asylum. A lot of his books and works are uh, uh, centered around madness and man's inability to cope with the uh, the unknown things that their minds couldn't uh, grasp will drive them mad and insane. Which I you know, love that stuff. Uh, I discovered I personally discovered uh, Lovecraft back in middle school. And I've been a fan ever since. And his sort of his his uh, he wasn't mega popular in his day, but his his the stars have uh, risen for him over the years, and he's gotten more popular. So when you've got a guy writing that kind of work, it appeals to teenagers and whatnot. You've got to have a game, right? And so a game was sprung forth. Uh, so uh, what is this game? Well, <laughs> it's a, it's quite an interesting game. You start out. Uh, as a, a detective, uh, or actually, at the beginning of this, you're a cop, and you are tasked with going in. Someone has called for you to come help investigate a uh, a, a, a freakout at this mansion for the, where a bunch of cultists have uh, a lot barricaded themselves in, and a bunch of stuff's going crazy, and they've asked for you by name, and you've got no idea why you're even going there, but you you roll up, and so sort of the early part of this game is your exploration of this mansion where all these cultists are are, are at, uh, and from there on, you get you go deep into the world of Cthulhu. Uh, this game is kind of hard to pin down in terms of the gameplay style. Uh, at the beginning of this, like I said, it's it's got a uh, it's got a cinematic sort of uh, appearance at first, and as you go through the cultists, you'll notice that there's the there is no heads up display uh, in this at all. So anytime you are playing this, you have no way of knowing how hurt you are. You have no way of knowing uh, how uh, much ammo you've got. You've got no way of knowing how sane you are. And in terms of visually, all the clues you will uh, receive are either through, through uh, your guys' cries and screams and pants and how tired he sounds. Plus, occasionally, if you're if you're seeing something that mortals weren't meant to see. The screen will give you these bizarre visual effects, uh, contorting and spinning, and and really causing problems for, uh, in, especially when you're trying to aim or walk down a hall or whatnot. Uh, it's pretty neat, and also you'll get some crazy, uh, like audible, uh, like cues and stuff that will tell you that you're going nuts or that you're hurt real bad. It's a neat system. I found it. I found it very immersive. Uh, the the game. Uh, it has a uh, very dark tone. In fact, too dark, I think, for a modern TV. When I tried playing this uh, for the first time this week, it was so dark on my LCD that I couldn't see anything. <laughs> I, had to t- I had to turn yeah, the brightness. Yeah, off. You, you have to turn it up. You have so to turn the gamma. You up. had this. You had the same. You had the same issue on that. Well, my I run my TV kind of bright anyway, so yeah. it wasn't so bad. Uh, but yeah, I, I still had to to flick it up a few few notches. Yeah, no kidding, eh? Uh, so, <laughs> as you get delve deeper into the mystery of this game, uh, you are tasked with visiting a, a a town, a Massachusetts port town called Innsmouth. All right. Again, this uh, this whole area was based on the Shadow of Innsmouth, which is a very good read from the Lovecraft Library. Uh, if you're so inclined to check that out, and uh, you ride in on a bus to this little town. It's a town out in the middle of nowhere, and as you go through this town. Uh, you'll notice that the inhabitants of this town are all almost like, they're almost frog-like in a way. They talk like they're gargling, they're green, they're, everyone there doesn't like you. <laughs> Even the bus driver doesn't like you. Uh, they don't like strangers in their town. And what you begin to do is unravel this incredible mystery as you go through. Uh, the very the, Probably the first two-fifths of the game are uh, you walking around with no weapons of any sort. You are literally... Uh, defenseless, and all you have is your wits and your speed, your ability to uh, to uh, try to figure out what's happening to uh, to keep you in the game. Um, the uh, uh, the opening, I'd say the opening two fifths of the game, or maybe almost three fifths of the game, you have you in this sort of investigative role. 
So what you're doing is you're just walking through that creepy town of Innsmouth, talking to the people that'll talk to you, and exploring and trying to get into places and experiencing weird stuff. Now I should mention that your that the person you play also has uh, after the his encounter with those cultists has 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 sanity problems of his own. So occasionally he'll have a flashback or something, and it's usually very creepy when it happens. Uh, Brent. I don't know if you ever played this before this week. What were your initial thoughts uh, when you loaded this up? Well, I have played this. I've actually played through the entire game uh, really? back when it was released. No yeah. kidding. I didn't know that. Uh, and I have a love-hate relationship with this game. I, I think the beginning levels where you're doing the investigation are good. I think when you first get to the town and you're learning about it and you're sneaking around and you're investigating, I think that section is great. Uh, I think once you start getting weapons, and you it sort of becomes a shooter, I think it falls apart. Uh, it Part of the fun for this for me is the fear that of, you know, you can't do anything. You're defenseless, you've got to run and hide from these things, uh, and you're sneaking around, you're doing cop work. Uh, once it becomes a shooter, and I know it, it has to do something for the climax of the game, uh, and it holds it holds out weaponry for a lot longer than you'd probably think it would. Um, but I think that once you lose that defenseless feeling, uh, it, it's an injustice to the game. Now, of course, when you are handed weaponry, you're also handed a lot more freaky things that you have to deal with. Um, but I, I wish they would have uh, just not had... I mean, even just giving your guy a gun, I think is too much. But it goes over the top, and you start getting more mystic-type weapons that are really destructive. Uh, so I, I wasn't a huge fan of that, but I respect it. The only thing that you really, to get into this game, you really have to know going in is this is not, it's not an action game. This is, and it's really, it, it's a horror game, but not like, not like Resident Evil style horror. It's more of a, it's almost closer to a point and click game, even though it, it, it's not point and click, it's first person perspective in that you are going around and you are trying to solve what's going on. Uh, and I, I appreciate that in the game. How far did you get into this, Aaron? It's funny you should mention that. Because if you'd asked me about this game a week ago, I would have I would have not exactly agreed with you. Because I, I had played... In fact, I had a save game on here right about the point where you would get out of Innsmouth the first time. You know? And... Uh, uh, I played more, and you're and I. I'm going to agree with you. To be honest with you, the game changes its tone. Uh, uh, probably th three, almost halfway through, maybe a little more, maybe a little less than halfway. Because I I did not beat it, but I, I got a lot further than I had before. This game is tr it's it's an unusual, tricky game to talk about because. There is this. It almost lulls you to sleep in some ways, and then, like, I'll give you an example. And we both know about this because it's sort of a famous scene. There's a scene where you're the the people in Innsmouth have had enough of you, and they and you're in your hotel room, and they're coming to kill you. And yeah. up to this point, you've just sort of wandered around. You know, you haven't done anything that. And in this part, it's a timed area where you've got to do all kinds of crazy stuff to escape. And it is tough, isn't it, Brent? And, and you're especially yes. since you're not prepared for it. It's one of the toughest parts of the game uh, that I've found uh, running through this thing. And it, it comes, and it's it's actually an awesome scene. I mean, it really, if you watch it, you just it's it's like a movie. Uh, but it's tough to play, and you'll die lots trying to figure it out. Uh, luckily, this thing's got a pretty robust save system. Whenever you see a uh, elder sign on the on a floor or wall that's a save point you can go to it's a pretty good scene these things are sprinkled around pretty liberally yeah so this... it, the, the game never really tries to punish you yeah. for failing uh yeah. usually before any type of challenging part it lets you save so you're never that deep into it that's right uh, and, and that's that's appreciated because you don't want to 
if, especially for people who just want to experience the story, um, there are scenes like like the fleeing scene that are are far more difficult than the parts before and after it. Uh, that can be very frustrating for people who are just trying to get through the story. Yeah, but it also, you know, it makes you it makes you have to learn about the platforming, which is stiff. The yeah. platforming in this game is stiff. I mean, it's it's not bad. It's fair. It's stiff. You have to you have to learn how how the how it's going to how you're going to play it. The funny thing about this game, this game really is like you mentioned it, and I, I agree with you now more than I would have. It's it's almost like a the, the first part of this game is outstanding. It's oppressive uh, as you walk around. Every, it's weird to be in a town where everything is dark, everything is foggy and crummy, and everyone hates you, and it's creepy, and you have no weapons. That is that is real frightening. That gave me the feeling that I was reading one of these books, because that's, that's sort of what real life would be like in a town like this. If you're walking around, you know, that would be super-duper creepy. And this guy just came to town to investigate a missing person. He wasn't here to investigate any weird humanoid fish creatures or you know, or deep old ones or anything like that so you know and plus this guy's got his own mental problems which make make that part interesting then you move on and as far as i got brent was uh you ended up working for jager hoover you go into this uh there's a, there's a scene where you're going into this warehouse uh uh and that i found very difficult uh brent and i never got through that and i know i watched further on but there are scenes. I mean, eventually, uh, you they they are going to bombard the whole town. At one point, yeah. I mean, it, it really it takes many turns, uh, and I, I, that I didn't see coming. I never, I haven't watched the end of it yet because I'd like to, I'd like to actually beat the game. Uh, but uh, after you finished it up, what were your thoughts? I mean, uh, as a whole, um, I was pleased. Uh, I did not read all of the lore back then or now. Yeah, uh, and there is. T- Tons. There, I mean, if you if if you want to sit down and read every piece of paper and scrap and notebook entry, I mean, it, there's a novel there in and of itself. Yeah. Um. So I probably didn't get as much out of it as I could have, but what I got out of it, I enjoyed it. I uh, I think the game is is actually a pretty good length. Uh, I think from beginning to end. Uh, if you had some idea of what you're doing, you're looking at about eight to ten hours, which I think is fair for a game like this. Yeah. Um, I think the ending credit scene, which I'm not going to spoil, is is top notch. Yeah, I haven't uh, seen it. You know, yeah. one thing we should mention is that as you go through this and you're uh, you're playing uh, uh, Jack Walters, thinks his name. As you go through this, anything you see on the ground or on a bookcase, wherever you could click on it, and he'll comment. It's all like it's all actual spoken dialogue. Yeah. And it, I mean, there's t- they must have recorded four billion hours of dialogue for this game because he'll talk about pretty much anything, and it's good. Yeah, I, the dialogue's was, good. The voice acting's okay, but the dialogue is good. Yeah, I agree. You know, uh, the only thing I I don't like about the story is they do fall off. They use the trope of uh, the guy has amnesia, uh, and I understand why they did it. Yeah, it, that is part a distinct element of the story. Yeah, in this uh, case, it's, it's just, not, you know. Yeah, come on, amnesia again. Well, I mean, yeah, but I mean, it, it makes sense at the end that he does slowly get his memory back. Yeah, as, as the game right. goes on, and that's why it's it, that's why it's okay. Uh, is they don't they use it as a crutch, but it's not a huge crutch. Yeah, uh, this game has an interesting healing element uh, where you actually have to go huddle down somewhere and heal yourself, and you heal. Your various different elements of your health are affected. Your leg or your arm, you got to heal them. It's kind of neat. I mean, it's uh, what did you think that was anything? Any great shakes? It was different. Uh, I mean, I've I've played plenty of games that's done that before. Right. Uh, this was I mean, this was one of the early games that tried something like that. I thought it was pretty cool. So, I want to talk about the development of this game because it's actually pretty interesting. Uh, this game was the development on this thing started like. I don't know, six years before the actual game was released. And it went through a bunch of bizarre uh, changes. And I didn't know this until I was researching it this week. So, uh, uh, Head First Games actually went to, like, the uh, news groups and said, listen, what, and and got story suggestions from fans, you know, which I think that's kind of cool, to ma- how to make this game. And they were originally going to make this game for the uh, PS2. Uh, was right there at the top of the list of the PC. 
and it was plan the original plan release was like in uh late 2001 right but a bunch of weird changes happened man uh eventually they were they were going to have multiplayer in it it was going to have like this story is pretty linear this they were going to have a non-linear story it's going to be much larger and even close to release this had multiplayer maps with death with deathmatch style rules which would be stupid which would be horribly stupid i don't know what they were thinking there uh, uh this was the era when every game had to have that yeah we should mention that this game's buggy uh, even on the xbox and the pc version is double secret buggy my friends yeah. uh, the xbox is probably a less buggy i will say having played this on both the pc and the xbox i find it easier to play this on the pc with the mouse and the keyboard uh, but the Xbox controls okay. It's not like I mean, it's I, I like I said I think it plays a fair game, but the even on modern machines this is ultra buggy. Uh, this is available in good old games. It used to be available in Steam, and both it, both versions had problems on a modern PC, real like game breaking problems. So if you want to play a, a version of this that you can actually finish, and isn't going to screw up, you're probably going to be wanting to play the Xbox version because the other versions had all kinds of weird issues. Uh, I should mention, much to my chagrin, that this uh, this thing flopped when it was released. Unfortunately, and this was it was a highly touted game, uh, but it didn't do well. In fact, according to uh, Wiki, uh, when this got released in Europe, it only sold five thousand copies. <laughs> wow, <laughs> got, got good. Uh, and overall, it was considered a dud. Uh, it did have a sequel can uh, that was uh, in the works called Call of Cthulhu: Destiny's End. Uh, that was going to be a PS2 and Xbox title, which uh, it did not happen. Then another one that was talked about, I remember hearing about both these, Call of Cthulhu Beyond the Mountains of Madness, which would have been awesome. Uh, but it got it got the axe, too, so those are, those are uh, non-starters. Uh, I looked up some uh, reviews of this thing. Uh, GameSpot, which I used to... I remember GameSpot. Are they still around? Yeah. I, forget. <laughs> I used to go there all the time. 7.9 out of 10. Pretty good. Uh, Game Spy, I know they're gone. Three, uh, they, they gave it uh, three and a half stars. Game Zone gave it seven point nine out of ten. IGN gave it seven point eight out of ten, and Team Xbox gave this an eight point one out of ten. I would say that this game is somewhere in that ballpark. Again, you have to be able to deal with the weird shift about midway through the game. A lot of people speculate that those shifts in how the game plays are due to just bizarre production, like like multiple teams working on it, stuff like that. Uh, uh, the also, uh, you have to be able to deal with uh, of not having a weapon. I think that's ultimately why this thing failed, uh, is because people expected some sort of first-person shooter horror game, you know, I don't, I, uh, and and like a Doom or something, and oh, that's Resident not Resident Evil. And that's not what the ex that's not what uh, Call of Cthulhu is about, uh, and it shouldn't be because if you read the books, you're not going to walk up to a, one of these things and just kind of shoot it with a gun. Like these are creepy, these are creepy uh, aliens from beyond the moon. They don't they don't uh, they don't worry about the uh, the trivialities of man. They come in here to romp and stomp, and when they get woke up, they're ready to kill. I will say that the the uh, uh, the the expanse of this game, you go all the way to the sunken city. You do a lot of stuff. There's a lot of callbacks to the books and stuff, which I appreciate. Uh, and on that level, I would give it a pretty good score from me. And your overall thoughts about the same? Uh, I would say that if this was something, uh, if Call <clears throat> Cthulhu or horror games in general interests you, this is good enough to give a look. But if that sort of thing does not appeal to you, Nah, just move on. Personally, I would definitely give this one a look. If any, for any reason, just to soak in some of the ambiance, play if, play it at least, ha uh, get halfway through it, explore the town. There's a lot of cool side stories and stuff in that town that are really, there's one creepy thing about that. Remember the part where that little girl's mom was locked in the attic? Holy crap, they built yeah. up the tension right there that is super duper creepy. And I recommend getting through to that part. So yeah, I give this, I always like this game. Obviously, I am the great and powerful Cthulhu, so I'm going to endorse this game. So, now, we're done with that. It's Halloween, Brent. I knew you picked a winner here. You came, you, you saw, and what was the Halloween-related game that you picked for us this week? I picked Hit and Run. 
Boom. Simpsons hit and run. I and let pleased. me tell you something. This has, uh, although I'm sure you did not see it, a super great uh, Treehouse of Horror level at the end of the game. Oh, here we go. That I knew you were, that was your cop out. That is absolutely in spirit with the with the season. Uh, but let's talk about the rest of Hit and Run, which is just as good. Good from pretty much beginning to end. I don't want to tip my hand on how I feel about it. Uh, this game was released in uh, 2003, the end of 2003. Came out on GameCube, PlayStation, Xbox, and for uh, Windows. I did not know this had a Windows release until this very moment. Oh, yeah. Um, uh <clears throat> developed by Radical Entertainment and published by Vindity, Vindity, uh, yeah, Universal Games. Thank <laughs> you. Uh, and this was a pseudo follow-up to their previous game, which was uh, uh, Road Rage. Now, this was not an official sequel because they didn't want to do that, but it was sort of an unofficial sequel. But we'll get into that a little bit later. So what is Simpsons Hit and Run? This is a GTA-style game where you are uh, on foot if you want to be, but most of your time you are in your car, various cars, uh, doing missions such as, as getting to somewhere in a certain amount of time or picking up items uh, along the way, destroying other vehicles, racing other vehicles. Pretty much, if you if there is a a type of vehicle mission you can think of, uh, this game has it, and you play as all the different members of the Simpson family: Marge, Homer, Bart, Lisa, as well as a poo section. Uh, I guess that was since Maggie couldn't drive a car, they just they threw him in as instead. The plot of this game is kind of all over the place. But the main plot is these strange bee creatures with uh, cameras in their face have been released on Springfield. And it's up to you to figure out what is going on and, and who's doing it and why they're doing it. As the game progresses, though, uh, there are tons of little side missions and side stories that you can uh, find and explore and an absolute ton of collectibles in the form of cards and coins that you can use to buy various outfits and upgrades. And even a four-player mini-game, which uh, is, is sort of awesome if you've ever played it. It's a, a sprint-style mini-game where you uh, race around a one-screen track. Uh, sort of like a RC Pro-Am type affair. Good fun. Obviously not the the uh, meat of the game, though. It was obviously tacked on to say that, they, that the game was four-player. The driving in this game, which you would be doing the majority of the time, is phenomenal. There are dozens upon dozens of cars... And each of them have their own sort of feel and weight and floatiness, but they all feel good. Uh, it's a joy to get from one get into one car and get out of you know something completely different, uh, and you get that feeling pretty much for every vehicle. And there are some very classic vehicles uh, like the uh, Mister Plow truck for Homer, uh, and there's. All kinds of in-show gags and whatnot that you will uh, see across your journey. Occasionally, to kind of mix it up, there are platforming sections. And the platforming for this game is not great. Uh, it's, it's kind of hard to control. Uh, but luckily, for the main mission parts, there aren't a whole lot of times that you have to do... Uh, uh, the platforming sections. Now, for this, the side quest, you do a lot more of it, but if you don't like it, you don't have to do it, for the most part. Tons of Simpson humor. It was written by the creators of The Simpsons, uh, They and their fingerprints are all over it. 
all the different gags that you hear, everything is voice lined by the correct people. Uh, and everyone that you would think of from the show is in the game. It's remarkable how many uh, characters they shove in either as main focal points, as side missions, or in the background as you are, are moving along. Uh, just about everyone you can possibly think of is here. I had a blast with this game, and I was kind of concerned if my rose-tinted goggles had uh, kind of blurred my vision to a lot of the problems in the game. And, and no, no. I, I could I could sit down and play this game from beginning to end right now and have a great time. The overall game's probably, you know, if you don't really hit a lot of uh, side missions and you just try to get to the story, you're looking at about six hours and... If you do all the side stuff, you're probably looking at about 10 to 12, which is probably a little long. Uh, by that point, you'll probably be done, and that's okay, because the game is absolutely perfect in short bursts. You can get in there, get a few missions done, uh, save it, come back the next day, and have fun with it again and again, and really stretch out your playing enjoyment. Aaron, what was your experience with this game? Well, I had played this one back in the day. Uh, and, uh, of course, I played Road Rage as well. And Road Rage was basically The Simpsons ripping off Crazy, ta crazy well, and Taxi. Well, we're going to get into that. And right now, this let's game have is, this game This game is The you. Simpsons ripping off GTA. No, uh, it's not. It well, is, but it's not. It's Yeah, because they still kept a little Crazy Taxi in there, too. There's just a little bit of both. Um, so... One of the big things when this was released was th the ability to tour Springfield. That sounds stupid now, uh, but when this came out, the uh, the thought that you could drive around and walk around a virtual Springfield was pretty appealing if yes. you're a fan of the show. Because I remember having this uh, uh, this CD package. It was interactive CD package where you could walk around Springfield. That's all it was. It wasn't even a game. You know, well, and, I mean, there were game elements. I, I know right. what you're talking about, but not like but, this. And no, so, but this like was that. like that on steroids. Uh, listen, uh, the game is the game is fair. It's it's uh, it's entertaining. It's got all the Simpsons humor uh, of that era, which that which is good. That's the good. That's when it, before it jumped the shark multiple times. Uh, it is trippy and creepy to see everything in Springfield rendered in a 3D way. Uh, and that doesn't do the characters any favors sometimes, but I think, I mean, overall, the graphics are as good as they're going to be, if, given the uh, fact that they're taking 2D cartoon characters and making them 3D. Uh, the driving is fun. The controls are are fine. In fact, I can control this a lot better than I can Crazy Taxi. Uh, the uh, the layout of Springfield is pretty good to drive around. There's tons of secrets, collectibles, like you said. There's tons and tons and tons and tons of callbacks to the show that only a, a fan or a super fan would get, you know? And, I mean, they go, they range from, like, stuff that most people would get to, like, real obscure stuff, uh, and stuff that only appeared one, maybe one time in the show or for even for one segment. Uh, the uh, dialogue's pretty... I mean, let's face facts. The missions are, are goofy, and the dialogue is wacky. It's what you would expect from a Simpsons game if you liked this sort of game. The idea that you could go into all these different buildings and stuff, like I said, there's, there was a lot of, of appeal to that back in the day because it was something people were, like, into. What would it be like to, to walk around Springfield, to go into the Quickie Mart, uh, to do all this stuff? Now, again, it sounds sort of hokey now, but it was true. Uh, I think the uh, the way it's set up, it's approachable. The the plot with the bees, because at the beginning, you've got these weird, like, uh, bees with the antennas. Then they fly through a bunch of radioactive waste that's coming up out of the smokestack. So I don't and I never played this long enough to get the full plot. I don't know if you... I didn't beat it, that's for sure. It's fun. It'll hold your attention for a while. It's one of those games where you can come in and play it and not play it for a week or a month and then come back and play some more. It's not like you need to remember where you were at. Uh, so, I mean, I liked it. Uh, uh, it aged pretty well, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, I guess that's due to the fact that the subject matter is Springfield and The Simpsons, and they really haven't changed that much. So it really looks pretty good. 
And I don't think, even on a modern machine, if you tried to render the this game like with high res, I don't actually think it does it any favors. I think this is sort of exactly the right, uh, the, graphically, this is probably exactly where you want to be. Because the last thing you want is a super crisp 3D Simpsons game. It just that, that, that wouldn't work. Uh, you need something like this. So I did enjoy that. I, I will say a couple times I laughed uh, at some of the wacky stuff they said. They also the Simpsons knew they know this is a game, so there's a lot of game related humor in there. Uh, and I mean, right out of the gate, they say like uh, they talk about boring tutorial levels, and then they send you on one. Yeah. So, <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny. Uh, the uh, um, everyone, like you said, everyone that you would expect to be there is voice wise. Uh, you even when you drive around town, you just see characters that you would have seen from the show. Tons of them, even obscure ones. They're just out walking around like they're having a life, you know. Uh, this was prob. I remember when this came out. This was sort of a big deal, uh, and uh, I think it's still a really good game. I've actually played this mostly on the Xbox, and I think this is probably. I, I played a little bit of this in the GameCube. I haven't played on anything else. I think, uh, Alex, I, th I think they got the sweet spot on this. Uh, you could also get different cars, like you mentioned. Uh, uh, there's a ton of cars, actually. Uh, like Krusty's got one, and a poo, and the Canyon oh, Arrow. And there's tons. And there's, and tons. there's the, the, I think both the snow plows are in here. Uh, and uh, there's also you can you can change the way your guy looks. You can you can uh, use there you collect coins and stuff in this, so you can use them to get stuff. Pretty cool. Uh, I, I enjoyed it. It's not a game that I would uh, want to play like every day for 10 hours, but it's one you can definitely play up and go back to. This is, for me, this was the glory days of The Simpsons. This was, uh, you know, your season three to season eight type of affair where the, uh, uh, for at least me, The Simpsons was a daily joy watching uh, just as much as I could. I had a VCR that had uh, The Simpsons on it that would play pretty much nonstop. Uh, the, the series itself was a, a huge influence on my life. Uh, a lot of the humor and throwbacks and quotes I still do today. Uh, it's unfortunate what The Simpsons became in the later years, uh, but that's that's not what this game is focused on. This game is focused on uh, the the best of the best, and it really comes through in the game and the writing and the fun. Um, and this is, that's another thing. Even if you aren't a Simpsons fan, even if you don't know who the Simpsons are, you can play this game and still have fun because the, the driving controls are really tight. They're yeah. really good. And the directional stuff's good, too. Like, it's way, way better than, uh, like, a crazy taxi, for example. Well, the, and here's... And so let's go ahead and get into that. Uh, the first game that was released with The Simpsons in this kind of vein was Hit and Run, or uh, Road Rage. And that was a crazy taxi clone. So yeah. much so that they got sued for it. And uh, they wanted to go a different direction than that but still be able to build off of work they've already done and that's exactly what they did most of hit and run is played in your vehicle and the driving that they learned the driving mechanics that they learned from hit and run has been refined to a golden shimmer and left for you to play in hit and run so much so that I'm telling you, even if you are not a Simpsons fan, I would recommend playing this game because it feels good and it's fun. And it doesn't take itself seriously. It doesn't make itself so hard that you're trying things again and again and again. I bet you can get through half the game and never fail a mission. And towards, yeah. towards the end of the game, it does get more difficult. Uh, but never, like punishingly so in my opinion you know i look at the simpsons a lot like i look at the star wars franchise it's a beloved franchise that i loved that they've made me learn to slowly hate over the period of decades uh, and i still i still like the simpsons but i don't have the love for it that i did when i was younger which because they've ruined it so many times never has a show been uh prostituted out like the simpsons has they, they won't let it die it still shambles on 
this they got 15 good years out of a show that's been on for 30 or whatever. It's been on forever. I believe it came on in '89. I think so, 15 is being incredibly 20, generous. 21 years. I, well, <laughs> listen, I know. I'm, I'm giving it a benefit of the doubt. Uh, there were, you can find decent episodes up to that around in that time period. But my point is, uh, when this game came out, it was probably at the peak of its awesomeness. I agree. And, and so, but I mean, don't fool yourselves. Uh, this is they've still liberally borrowed from uh, Crazy Taxi, and then they just liberally borrowed from GTA. But it works. It's it works. That's what makes it fun. Uh, so I'm going to give them a pass on that. Plus, they they put some effort forward. And by the way. Uh, Simpsons Road Rage wasn't bad either, to be honest no, with it you. Wasn't it was, bad. I mean, Crazy Taxi was a fun game, and people real forget that that game was pretty. That game's been around for a long time, and so it revising it was not difficult. They just made it less goofy, and and or they made it more goofy, really. But they made it less difficult to follow the arrows and and put the Simpsons in there, and there you go. So it's not like it's a, but uh, it was rocket science. But I thought they did a pretty good job on this. That all and that considering- said. Considering other Simpson games, this is the cream of the crop. Uh, I mean, yeah, when because you look the at Simpsons some of the did NES some real duds. Stuff, yeah, yeah. Uh, you, the Simpsons got whored out to a lot of licenses. Yeah, uh, a, a lot of mediocre games. Simpsons wrestling, Simpsons bowling uh, are two of the. In fact, Simpsons wrestling is one of the all-time worst games. Horrible, yeah. horror. And I love wrestling and the Simpsons. Horrible. <clears throat> they dropped the ball big time on that one. So yeah, this is probably the last. Of course, if you like the Bart versus series, that stuff, I, which I didn't like. No, no one, no one's like, man, that's real Simpson humor for me. Yeah, this is actual Simpsons fun in a Simpsons universe with excellent gameplay uh, and some mediocre platforming. You know, I see a trend here, uh, comic book Brent, because the first time we covered the Xbox, you did uh, your game was Futurama. That's right. If you'll recall. So here we are back again with another one of your beloved animated titles. I guess this is a sweet spot for those animated uh, show come game uh, uh, outputs. But if I think this ever, one, this is probably a lot. A, What's that? A third Xbox game. Yeah. I'll, I'll go ahead and tell you right now. I'm playing the Batman animated series game. So let's go ahead and fire it up. <laughs> yeah, that's also a good one. Uh, I, I I like this one more than Futurama, uh, and I love yes. Futurama. But don't get me wrong. But I mean, this is I think this is a more fun game, just yes. because it's more accessible. Futurama is really hard. Uh, this game here, not not so bad. So there you go. Uh, your Halloween offerings. And Brent, by the way, I'm not going to let you get out of this segment without belittling you and berating you for being an idiot uh, for picking a Simpsons game for our Halloween spectacular. You're a fool. And yes. this has nothing to do with Halloween, and there's no way you're going to convince me otherwise. Untrue. The last part of this game, when the undead take over the town, uh-huh. uh, is probably scarier than any Cthulhu offering. Take off. Weak is what I'm saying to you. We'll be smiting you later. Don't worry about that. I'm sending some guys over, if you know what I mean. Speaking of sending over some guys, I sent over some guys... Uh, last week to repopulate my wheel. The wheel, we had Halloweened it up, but now we've, we're back. We're back in style. Let's fire this sucker up, comic book Brent. Here we go. Alright. Brent, this week we added the MSX2! A, a, a much requested uh, pie piece for the old machine here. And as a uh, retro rewind, we've added the TI-99-4A. Cthulhu is pleased. Let's spin this sucker. Here we go. What do we got here? Oh, Lord. Well, this is another one of your specials. We have picked the Game Master slash Systema 2000. <laughs> uh, okay, comic book Brent, tell us about the Game Master slash Systema 2000. What in God? Even I don't know what that is, and I am a god. I, we will have to discover next week what that is, because I got no idea. <laughs> Once again, you're an idiot. I am not pleased. You, you fool. Dumb cough. Do you have anything you want to t- tell the folks in chat uh, uh, before we head out? Uh, 
I don't. <laughs> You're an idiot. At least thank them. They're there. Who do we got in there today? I want to say, well, a big thank you to Buck Owen. Buck Owens. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, I choked on my own paint here. <laughs> Good. I want to say thanks to Buck Owens for uh, subscribing with Prime. And I want to say hello to Frodo and Picard and Mitsuyama. And who else we got in here? Their evil pleases me. Wing Chung Wolf. Aunt Jarvis. My lovely wife, who I was believe is already off, but could actually still be here. Dave Velociraptor. All fine folks. Rob O'Hara. All joining us here today. Beautiful, beautiful. And we had one successful non-crashing stream. That you're welcome. That was me. I sent some guys over to Sunlink. They won't be. It won't be. Hopefully, won't any more trouble. That's right. So, please join us next week when we have a look at the games, <laughs> Games Master 2000, whatever the hell that is. We'll figure it out. Until then, beware. Oh, I've wasted my life. Thanks for joining us today. We really hope you enjoyed the show. Quick shout out to all of our YouTube subscribers and Twitch followers. A special thank you to Duncan Styles for our vector graphics and Bartbit for our amazing music. Would you like to keep ARG spinning for as little as a dollar a month? You can do so at anchor.fm slash ARG presents. Supporters get entry into the Amigos Discord channel, as well as their name called out in the credits. Supporters like these fine folks, Anthony Jarvis, Graham W. Vetke, Terry Howard, Gary Heather, John Schaller, The Slow Norris, Bernhard Lucas, Frodo NL, Steve Rasmussen, Chris Foles, Mitsuyama, Retro Algae, Hermsky, John Dackman, and Jerry Dennington. Don't want to explain another credit card bill? That's okay too. You can help us out by leaving us a positive review on Spotify and Apple iTunes. Have an idea for a wheel piece? Send it to us at argpresents at mail.com. We record live every Sunday at 9 a.m. EDT on Twitch. Hope to see you there.